Okay, uh, is everybody ready to talk about the movie? Sure. Why not? Okay. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Swords and Satire. This week is a Can You Roleplay It mini episode covering Clash of the Titans. If this is your first time tuning in, Can You Roleplay It is a series where we talk about the characters, plots, themes, and other aspects of a film, and we cover the ways that it can be incorporated into your favorite role-playing games. But even if you're not a role-playing fan, please don't stop the podcast, because we still think that these episodes are entertaining for just about anybody, and that there should be some interesting stuff you can pick up, whether you're just a fan of storytelling or... If you just want to laugh and hang out with some of your best buds who you've never met before, or maybe you have met us, who knows? But don't feel like you can't join us just because you don't play RPGs. We try to make these episodes just as entertaining for everybody. So last week we talked about Clash of the Titans, a movie I think we all had a really good time watching and talking about. And this week we want to look at how much potential that movie has to inspire your role-playing game and... And to a broader extent, storytelling and elements of fantasy fiction in other regards, too. So, I kind of, since we brought up Calibus, I just want to go right into, I think, if he would be a great antagonist, and I would like to see somebody turn him, give him a redemption arc and turn him into an ally. And he's, like, an obvious choice if you're playing D&D as a tiefling. Chelsea, he killed all those unicorns. They were Pegasi. Yeah, that's probably true, too. (laughs) But Zeus talked about his horny horses. No, his winged horses. Oh, I guess that makes more sense since... He was horny. He had winged horses. There we go. That's where I missed the, the mark on that. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd make Calibus a tiefling, though, because he was not born horny. <laughs> so are you saying he had, like, was he a warlock? And his he betrayed his benefactor, and so his patron cursed him? Maybe. Was he one of, well, but no, because he wasn't Zeus's supplicant. I'm, I'm reimagining it. W- work with me. Do a little bit of improv, yes and, with me here. I I have never taken an improv class. That's not entirely true. You know, I think it definitely could make sense that becoming a tiefling could be a side effect of a curse. That sounds racist to well, me. Well, in the lore. <laughs> it is. In the lore, that's kind of there in the lore, for sure. Yeah, I always imagined that, like, one of your kids becomes a tiefling because you made a deal with the devil, right? But I could easily see it where someone is just like, oh, well, well, what about this? Because Zeus was punishing Calibus. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It just, it works. Now, is it common when you punish somebody to make, like, to make them physically stronger than they were to begin with? It seems like an odd punishment. It's because Calibus prized himself on his looks. He was a handsome man. So let's make him really buff instead. 
this was the time <laughs> when looking like a devil was a bad thing, not a sexy thing. I don't understand. <laughs> That's so true, actually. On all of the Dungeons and Dragons, like, Reddit pages where people post their character art, I'm going to say, like, 70% of them are tieflings. Hot tieflings. And they should be. Yeah. 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 It's a sexy thing now, but... When this movie came out, it was still like, oh, you're grotesque. <laughs> but but we're, I'm not wrong, right? Calibus is hot. Oh, yeah. He had that jaw, man. Oh, like iron. Yeah. And the toga. He was super buff. He he still looked handsome. How could she possibly love this devil who's such a handsome buff guy? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. When he snarls at me, it's almost like a smile. <laughs> His shark teeth. I'm just saying that could that could you could do something with that. I would say his only issue was his was his fork hand. Oh yeah. But that's that was Perseus's fault. True. I like how he curls his tail up when he's shy. <laughs> that is so you so you're saying that Calibus was the victim here? Oh yeah. Spoilers. Calibus is well. I guess I don't want to say he's a victim. He did murder a bunch of Pegasi. I'm I, not cool with that. I talked about him as a victim in the main episode of his environment and never... Uh, I mean, it's a victimhood to an extent. I don't want to uh, overuse that term or overgeneralize that term. I, I was worried uh, listening back to the episode that I might have been doing that, but I just wanted... I was The point I was trying to make is that he is... A victim in terms of how anybody can be when you're part of a system and you are told that you're going to fit into a specific role and you're so entrenched in that system like a culture and with all of the cultural norms and ex expectations on each person that you can't see a life for yourself outside of that role. And so you're kind of it, it's a, a prison of the mind. So that's how I meant it before. Right, right. But I still don't want to forgive him for killing all those winged horses. That's some bullshit. No, that, I mean, they wanted you to know, like, this is a bad guy. <laughs> and maybe that's part of the myth, too. I actually don't know. You know, I, I think he actually got off relatively easy because he was a demigod. Right, yes. He, he doesn't get punished the way that a fully human person would oh if one human did that their entire city would be leveled yeah or or they would be turned into like a snake person who can't have like relationships with anybody yeah like medusa was exactly was medusa a human yeah or she was a no they turned her she into was a, a priestess they turned her into a gorgon she was a priestess of yeah. aphrodite she was a gorgon of the land of zola right <laughs> so i like this angle of Calibus is not the big bad evil individual. He's a red herring. Well, or or like a general because Okay. So the arc would be that Thetis is the villain. That is the way the movie sets it up to be. Whether right. or not we agree with that as modern storytellers or not, like that is what we get from the text of the film. She is as a god kind of above the the mortal ken and like the types of like threats that the characters would probably face head on. I mean, yeah. this isn't for or 
you know, it hasn't been since like fourth edition of D&D where the idea of taking down gods was just something that every character was going to do. She could be like a threat that is beyond the ability of the party to ever face, but the minions that she sends out against them would be kind of the threats. And somebody like Calibus, who is a maybe rewritten to be more of a sympathetic villain, could be a potential ally at some point, depending on how the party decides to handle that. Yeah, uh, the potential is definitely there for a redemption arc, for sure. Yeah, you know, speaking of turning the villains in this kind of on their heads as being more sympathetic, I saw a really technically impressive piece of art that someone did on this myth where it kind of painted Medusa as a victim of Perseus where he was like grabbing her by the snake hair and about to cut her head off and she was like trying to get away from him and I'm like oh dude if you actually think about it Medusa was turned into a gorgon because she was victimized by Poseidon yeah and then being turned into a gorgon is being victimized by Aphrodite and then she's getting killed by Perseus. For, so, like, for something that she she's just in her temple minding her own fucking business. Dudes are rolling up in there like, hey, I want to kill this snake-headed lady. Yeah, well, it's so they can take her power away and use it for their own ends. Yeah, I mean, she's absolutely justified in protecting her, like, the, the one thing she has. Hey, if somebody tries to kill you, you try to kill them right back. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it was true when Malcolm Reynolds said it, and it's still true today. Yep. Also, yeah, in her temple, there were already a bunch of stone dudes. So it's like, on a regular basis, people are coming trying to kill her. I love this idea, you guys. What you two are painting this picture for me, I want somebody to take on this story, a DM out there who's listening to this. Right now. The, the party is maybe made up of Perseus and Andromeda and maybe Thalos, one of the guards. And oh, please, please, somebody roleplay Thalos. Maybe even Ammon. Thalos. You know, he could be a, 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 a wizard. Bard! Um, He's an actor. Okay. Um, but <laughs> my main point is, we can debate that in a minute, but <laughs> my main point is that I want the DM to twist it so that the player's really get to see that they're the fucking bad guys. <laughs> I, I've done this to people before. It It's great. <laughs> it is. And then people have to reflect and think about what they've done in the world and, and reframe everything. Well, I was going to say, like, the really cool part about this movie as an inspiration for a and d or whatever role-playing game campaign is that none of the, quote, monsters in this movie are exactly what they seem. Calibus is this devil guy. And, you know, again, he was not a good dude, but he got made worse by Zeus. Medusa was a woman whose only crime was transgressing against patriarchal restriction of her sexuality, and she gets turned into this monster. I love the idea of telling a story where the party has to make those types of critical assessments of the things they are fighting. Yes, sometimes you just have horrible blood scorpions show up so that the party can have a little bit of maybe more uh, carefree combat. At least it's self-defense in that case. Sure. I mean, when blood scorpions attack, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> They're vicious. 
but I love the villains that are not just so cut and dry, where they are also victims of the power structure around them. We're talking about creating moral gray areas in your storytelling and modes and campaigns so that everything isn't so black and white. It's a little bit more, you have some, you can add some verisimilitude to your stories that way. Yeah, what Chelsea said. That just means uh, something that seems like it's uh, true to real life. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It also depends on what kind of group you're playing with, because with a lot of my players in campaigns I've been in, in situations where people call them out, like, you know, you've been the bad guy. They're like, yes, sometimes I am. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Adventuring parties. Yeah. They're, are they morally white? No. No, Never. no, no. Never. Sometimes, you know, it it depends on the party, because sometimes the characters want to be, and sometimes they're like, oh, I know what I am. And I need your head for my quest, so I'm going to get it. Listen, to quote quote the great philosopher Black Widow, (laughs) everyone's got a little red in their ledger. (laughs) Nice, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's definitely more interesting and generally potentially better storytelling. If you make your villains like, you know, like a real person. Yeah. Because a scorpion, like you were saying, a blood scorpion, doesn't have much depth of character. Like, they can't think about the morality. Only if you're not a creative enough dungeon master. (laughs) Oh, for sure. But, uh, I mean, with people like Medusa, she was a person. Well, she is a person. And, like, Calibus is a person as well. So they should have a lot of, like, opinions on things and reasons why they're doing what they're doing. And I like when players actually try to discuss and figure out the villains, even if they're just there to like, you know, chop their head off. Just being like, wait, before we do this, how you doing? <laughs> what have you been up to? Yeah. What, what, what are some of your greatest inspirations for your villainy? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) And then we gut him. (laughs) Yeah. After talking to him for a bit. That's the best. (laughs) And and an actual example of this were the the three witches that were in the film. More victims of Perseus' bullshit. It's true, but he actually did have a conversation with them before deceiving them, which I thought was very D&D. Yeah. Talking to your villains and then betraying, well, <laughs> well, you know, attacking them. Yeah, betray. I think he kind of betrayed them insofar as he promised to give them back the eye, but he didn't promise how he was going to give it back to them. Trickster. It's true. Very trickster. But I mean, I that's why I like this movie. It creates an interesting set of dynamics and it tells a good adventure story. He d- Perseus doesn't solve every issue with just immediate violence i'll give him that much i mean a lot of it he does cutting off medusa's head not cool but then again you know saving the princess eh, sure that's fine i mean especially for a movie of this time i mean he does take pity on calibus when he could have killed him he he chops off his hand (laughs) instead which isn't great but 
He, it's better than killing him, I guess. Except then Calibus comes back and kills Thalo, which is what I call an unrepentable crime. I know, and it, Thalo's only crime was following Perseus around. Everyone who follows Perseus, per, everyone in this movie who follows Perseus pays a price. It's true. Yeah, I think Callus is... Calibus. Calibus is the kind of guy to escalate a situation, you know? Yeah. He doesn't seem like he was exactly the kind of ruler who thought things through. No. no. And afterwards, he seemed just kind of angry at the world and ready to fuck things up. Mm-hmm. He just wants to see the world burn. Yeah, so a little bit of mercy from Perseus you know, kind of went unappreciated. Yeah. If someone cut my hand off because I was a cult leader, I would really start self-reflecting personally. <laughs> yeah, Calibus doesn't seem to have that in him. But again, like Chelsea said, he is kind of this child of great privilege as the son of a god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what I would find really interesting if we were role-playing this? Yeah. It would be, I would want to play all the monstrosities. Like Calibus and Medusa, right? Yeah. And the witches. And I would want a party of them. And there, there's like this Greek hero, demigod, that's the big bad evil guy. I like where you're going. Coming after you for glory. Like Hercules with his 12, you know, deeds. And Perseus going out fighting all these monsters. Yeah. You're like, oh, dude, we're next on the hit list. For one way or another, each of us pissed off the gods, and now we're monsters. Now, see, that's a much better party potential dynamic, too, because it gives them a common goal that might run counter to their personal wants and desires. So you have more of a dynamic between player characters. The witches might be mostly aligned with each other, but they might have completely different motivations than the Medusa than Medusa or than Calibus. This is, I think, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so cool. And then maybe some of them are still, like, faithful to the gods. So even though they've been screwed over, they're kind of trying to do, like, a redemption arc, even though they don't really need redemption. Each of them are kind of victims in a certain way. But not all of them. I guess Calibus might need a redemption arc. Yeah. Out of all of them, I would say him. Like, the the Stygian witches, their main form of monstrosity is that they're old women. <laughs> and the fact that they're cannibals. And, you know, that's, you know, that's a way of life for some people that maybe I wouldn't agree with that. But it makes sense within a particular culture, you know. I mean, so. it's not the healthiest dietary practice. It, it can lead to a lot of transferable disease. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you eat the human brain, you see the future. That's all I'm saying. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, um... Well, I mean, that reminds me of elves in the Divinity games who oh, yeah. can get memories from people by eating their flesh. Yeah. Perfectly normal practice. Classic. I like this idea of the adventuring party of monsters, of quote-unquote monsters, fighting against the, like, typical like powerful son of a god who's just really kind of a well Dude, i don't know if perseus is, i don't know if perseus is really somebody i'd call a dick in 
like the traditional sense. He's entitled. He's definitely entitled, but he's not such a bad guy like in the text of the movie. I don't know about that. He sneaks into Andromeda's bedroom and watches her sleep. Sold. Fuck this guy. <laughs> he's the villain. And then fights and maims her tiefling lover. Yep, yep. <laughs> you, you, you sold me. Fuck him. I would really love in like our rewriting history if he was like telling his cousin Hercules or like his brother, right? His half brother Hercules. Half brother, yeah. At the frat house. He's like, yeah, so I snuck into her bed and he thinks it's fine because Hercules is a frat guy and he's like, Bro, that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that shit, man. <laughs> Her Hercules is the big buff meme guy. Yeah. Sorry, King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He may be a total Chad and he might not be that bright, but he knows what's right and wrong. You know, he knows what's acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I like our version of Hercules, the, the friendly frat bro. Yeah. I do, too. You know, dude, that's really disrespectful. People have boundaries for a reason. <laughs> that's great. You should have turned that invisibility helmet in. That's that's no. a dangerous <laughs> artifact if it falls into the wrong hands, like yours. That's pretty good. I'm going to check you right there, Chief. He just drops it in the swamp, too, and leaves it there. That's because he's super fucking irresponsible with all of the free shit that he's given... By the gods. Yeah. So Perseus is given these gifts that his father demands that the gods and goddesses give to Perseus. And then he just, like, the first thing we see him do is forget it, is forget his sword and shield with Amon. Then he just loses this fucking invisibility helmet super irresponsibly. Like, the dude, it just shows when you're given something, you don't appreciate it. Perseus hasn't earned anything in life. No. You know, I think if you're running this module, right, where you're the monsters and you're running away from the demigod, that would be such a good way to give your party loot and magic items. <laughs> just the random discarded crap that Perseus yeah. leaves behind ever in his wake of carnage. Yeah, after every encounter with the big with the big bold demigod, he just leaves some of his stuff behind. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah. He just like discards it like slogged off like snake skin. It, yeah, it doesn't mean anything to him because he's just going to keep getting new gifts all the time. Yeah. Yeah, every time you meet him, like, he, like, dropped his sword just carelessly and he just has, like, a new, more powerful sword with him the next time you fight him. Yeah. My dad gave me this for my graduation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I got a C in English, so my dad gave me this new armor suit. Oh, my God. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, not English. Common or Greek. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't have to go around acting like this super evil maniac. He could think he's a good guy trying to save everybody. And you're just like, no! No, yeah. dude, you're a dick. Like, I, I think that could even be more interesting if he's trying to be the hero of the land by hunting you guys down. Only you guys really know that you're not evil or anything. Right. Yeah. And he just, like, can't be reasoned with, you know? But uh, that could be interesting. And let's talk a little bit about, like, I, what I think I might make these characters in D&D. &D. 
yeah, let's hear what you think, Jack. What, what would these characters be? So I wanted to start out with Perseus, right? Okay. So does Perseus. Yeah, for sure. So in D&D, they have this whole section on their website called Unearthed Arcana, where they're playtesting materials that aren't printed in the books yet, right? Yep. And one of them is a paladin oath. I think it's called, like, Glory or Bravery. One of those. But basically the flavor text for it, when I saw a video of the developers explaining it, they were saying it's basically the demigod class, right? Okay. So it's all about just, like, being bold and, like, just, like, kind of trying to do amazing feats and stuff like that. Being a bold, brash butthead yeah just going out killing monsters saving the day trying to do all this heroic demigod stuff sounds really appropriate for perseus in my opinion so azamar i'm guessing yeah i was thinking azamar like oath of bravery paladin (laughs) all right great villain i mean great unexpected villain for a campaign yeah you would expect that to be a good guy for sure yeah you would expect that yeah And he thinks he's a good guy. And he probably is. If we're just looking at, like, from a D&D perspective, he's probably a good guy. Just contextually, for you, he's a bad guy. Morality, am I right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. (laughs) And he just keeps getting magic items from the gods and stuff. (laughs) All he has to do is ask. Oh, God. Dad, I need a new bow. I broke my bow. Dad, can I have a bow that, like, shoots arrows that explode? Uh, yeah, I'll hook you up. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, there's no problem. (laughs) I'll force one of the gods here to do it because I'm more powerful than all of them. Hephaestus! Poor Hephaestus just like, okay, clang, clang. Uh, P.S., I hate you. (laughs) You know, I can make some really useful stuff, Zeus. Like, you, I, I can make more than just weapons. Uh, make bow that go boom. <laughs> yeah, okay. I could, fo- I could forge a machine that would provide all humans with food forever boring. <laughs> make little owl that says funny things. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, owl 2D2? Owl yeah, exactly. Two Beep boop. Yeah. But for, like, Medusa, you could play, like, a snake person, Yuanti. Yeah. Like, probably a Yuanti sorcerer. Like, draconic blood sorcerer. Hey, man, she's an archer. She is an archer, so maybe some ranger classes. She might be multi-class. That would be so cool. She does live on an island. To be fair to your yeah. original assessment, she did start out as a priestess. Oh, that's true. So... Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean she was a priestess of magical, like, D&D priestessiness. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess she could be, like, a cleric archer. Oh, man. Archer cleric you want tea is sick. You know, I think it would be that really funny awesome. and ironic if Aphrodite's clerics were war clerics. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, goddess of love? Uh, sure, I guess. But if someone else is called pretty... I want my clerics to go kill them. So you're saying that this is Freya and Aphrodite. Is Freya that aggressive about that sort of thing? They're goddesses of love and war. Yeah, she's a goddess of love and war, so. Oh, yeah. I don't know if she, I I don't think 
the Norse gods are petty in the ways that the Greek gods are petty. It's, it's like the it's like the chant, you know, in the pagan song. Isis Astarte Diana, Hecate Demeter Kali Inanna. And you can but add Freya's not in there. You could add um Aphrodite and Freya in there too. It They're, just works. Yeah. They're all goddesses of war, death, of beauty, love. They're all kind of like Cool shit. They're all involved or like aspects of the same deity in some way. Yeah, they all represent the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so you could definitely do something like that. And love, beauty, and war are all tightly connected in a lot of mythology, especially Greek myth and legend. Yeah. But I really like the idea of a priest being a ranger. I've never heard of something like that. They are wisdom divine casters. Sure, yeah. So I could see it totally being a thing. Sounds awesome. Also, on Unearthed Arcana, there's the Swarm Keeper Ranger, where you summon swarms of stuff. And for Medusa, it could be snakes. Yeah. Yeah. And she just swarms them on her head. Oh, that's sick. For the listeners at home, I am doing a creepy crawly snake on head motion you were just making me think that uh we could merge this idea with something that happened in conan and her arrows could be snakes like, yes yes oh yes see yeah. oh the snake oh, arrow that's so cool yeah oh thulsa doom what a guy she just picks him up from the swarms that she calls forth and picks them up and straightens it out and uses them as an arrow. Twang! Yeah, that sounds like a super cool character. So you can poison people at the same time that you shoot them. Yeah, that's awesome. I call dibs on this character. <laughs> Go for it. Also, Calibus. Uh, tiefling barbarian? Yeah, yeah, barbarian or fighter. He seems like he's got some formal fighting training. Yeah. Maybe some, but it, in his current form, he's definitely got more barbarian energy. Good call. And um, he goes around unarmored. Yeah, great point. He yeah. is just wearing that toga. I'm just saying, he probably didn't receive training in fork arm. <laughs> no, that's a hard weapon. I mean, he only had a few days. Like, there was not nearly enough time to get proficiency with that. Yeah, he just went into a rage. And killed one of the best characters. Like, you don't do that if you're not in a rage. That's right. You don't ever do that to my Thalo. You don't. You shouldn't. And you'll regret it. Yeah. So how about the Stygian witches? I mean, obviously we've got, like, maybe three different flavors of divining. Like, a wizard, a warlock, and a cleric who are all sisters. And they're all, like, divination-focused. Yeah, sounds really cool to me. Knowledge mm-hmm. domain cleric, divination wizard, and I'm um, celestial warlock? Yeah, maybe. That could work. Yeah, for Greek, I think it... Or it could be archfey, I suppose. I could see either. Depending on which god you... Or depending on which being you choose to be a warlock of. Being a warlock of Pan sounds really cool. <laughs> oh, God. I think Celestial makes sense, especially for the mythology. Yeah, totally. Um, And they could all be 
old crones, wise women. That would be really neat. Who are still hardy and spry. Yeah. They're actually a lot stronger than they look. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they're wearing just these ragged robes the whole time. And then the two other characters come and they're like, hey, we need to get out of here. Perseus is coming. And they're like, then we will fight. And they stand up straight and they're like six and a half feet tall, super muscular. I know. I love that. That's great. That reminds me of Avatar in that episode when he meets his old his friend as an old man and he's a king and he like is always all hunched over and then he stands up and he's super tall and buff. <laughs> it is just like that. Yeah, Boomy, King Boomy. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good time. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> They've been putting some whey powder in their potions, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I think it would really work for the mystery, the air of mystery that the Stygian witches have wear around themselves almost like a cloak that they would try to hide through subterfuge how strong they really were i think that that fits really well yeah i think it does too i'm sure there are other greek monstrous humanoids that are in myths i can't none come to mind centaur oh yeah charon chiron yeah chiron is a really good idea for a quest giver ally yeah, someone who kind of sympathizes with the non-typically human characters. Yeah. Or humanoid in appearance. You could also throw in a few satyrs if you wanted to make some more original party characters. Always. Well, I had another one I wanted to post as an idea to you guys, and we could try to figure out how it would work, but... Yes, of course we're going to have Bubo the Owl be a playable character. <laughs> No, um, it's not a humanoid, so it might take some doing and figuring out, but we haven't mentioned at all the two-headed wolf that helps guard the temple where Medusa lives. Well, Medusa, we've already determined as a ranger, so clearly that's her animal companion. Okay, there you go. Oh, that's so good. That's great. Yes. Okay, I feel satisfied. That's good. I like that that would be her animal companion. And they could be another member of the party that way. I love that. It's one of the few creatures that can look at her and not turn to stone. Yeah. So they're friends. They're best buddies. How would, nice. how would she operate with the rest of the party in that case? Very carefully. I think maybe just cursed humanoids or cursed monstrosities, like, aren't affected by her. But that, I don't know, I mean, maybe. She does, She her power is able to be used against the Kraken, though. Well, in D&D, it'd be a gaze attack. Okay, right, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It wouldn't be quite as... All the power levels have to be kind of equalized. Like, you don't just automatically turn to stone. This isn't first edition. Come on. <laughs> that would be crazy talk. <laughs> Unless you're playing first edition, in which case. No, I think it would have to be, like, maybe a gaze attack that she can use, like, a couple times a day or something. That makes sense. Yeah, I think just, like, any of the less humanoid races would be really interesting for this setting. Like a bugbear. Minotaur. For, like, uh, yeah, a triton, even. Would be really cool, like, as a nymph or something. Nice, yeah. Poseidon's buddies. Yeah, exactly. 
sea elf. I like all. Uh, I like all these uh, monstrous beings banding together to defend themselves and finding camaraderie amongst others that have been wounded by the system. Oh, dude! <laughs> it feels like it fits the narrative elements of the movie too, which is which seem designed to make you sympathize with these characters who oftentimes would just be made monsters. Yeah. I would love to see the group bonding as well, where they're like talking about what made them into what they are today and that sort of thing. And kind of just like being afraid, even though they're monsters, I think is a really cool, like juxtaposition. Like you never get shown when the villains are scared that often. Right. But if you're being hunted down and you're running away, like, clearly you're not that intimidating, right? <laughs> or you simply know that the mobs that are coming after you would be sufficient to kill you, and you have no desire to harm anybody. You're being judged for your appearance or for the transgressions of your past, and you're being attacked for them. Yeah. Also. You could play, like, a Goliath, and you just change the, like, flavor so it's they have one eye instead of two, and it's a Cyclops. That'd be so good. <laughs> that would be great. So before we move on and finish up here, I'd like to talk a little bit about the gods who I think are an important part of this that we've danced around. But I mean, I think that the role that they would play <laughs> in a story like this is important. And we should give the listeners some ideas for how to kind of weave that into their campaign. Well, since the gods kind of have their own agendas individually, the gods and goddesses, and how they each have their own lineage and like demigods that are related to them um some so some might be working against your party and some might be allied with right them. so i mean your characters could have patron gods who protect them i mean obviously if you're playing a calibus like character you probably have a god who is your direct parent who's protecting you well, and trying fetus. Well, yeah i mean whoever it is in in this i in this yeah, whoever it would be in this context. Yo. Right. It's also important to mention, if we're talking about family like that, if you're playing Calibus and your mom is Thetis, your half-brother is Achilles as well. Right. And I, you could work with Who that Who might be want. fighting against you. <laughs> yeah, you True. have to deal with your more famous brother. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> he was always the popular one, right? I yeah. think it would be so sick. If early on you're about to lose really poor, really badly, really brutally to Perseus, and then Achilles pops up and starts fighting him. Oh, that's great. I love that. Little Deus Ex Demigoda, or <laughs> a little demigod Ex Machina. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That would be great to have your brother jump in and help you out, even though maybe they are competitive with one another. <laughs> well, that would just be a bigger motivator for the player character to 
that would make them feel insignificant. Right. And then they have to like get out of that shadow of their sibling. Yeah, that could be like yeah, one of the party's main competitors that you kind of have to bond with throughout the campaign. Or villainize more. I don't know. I, villainizing Achilles seems like a pretty bad idea if you've read the Iliad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I know where to hit him. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense to me. In his boyfriend. Wait, no. That went poorly also. Oops. Yeah. Yike! They were just really good friends, Jack. You know, it it's just, you know, boys will be boys. Making out in the tent, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some other interesting roles that the gods could play in a campaign like this? Well, I kind of liked the idea of, well, okay, for starters, a lot of the characters would be in the positions they're in because they are not in good standing with a god, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, that's like that make that creates a good setup for giving the characters background. Exactly. And I think the idea of trying to get favor from the gods that like basically smote you and cursed you is pretty interesting. Like Yeah, or allying with other gods that might be sympathetic to your plight and working with them to thwart the agenda of their rivals. Exactly. I think the idea of creating a kind of a political intrigue in the background of like finding out what gods are working against each other and then trying to leverage that for the party to get advantages over the gods who who have it out for them. Yes, totally. My thoughts exactly. I would really love it if someone was playing a Gorgon, right? Like Medusa, for example, cursed by Aphrodite when Medusa was the victim in that situation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what if at some point in the campaign, the Medusa becomes a cleric of Hephaestus, her ex-husband, or, you know, who should her husband who she cheats on all the time. Yeah. And Hephaestus is known for having a kind of unattractive, scarred up face yeah right and then medusa has uh, her appearance was cursed as well so they kind of like bond over that oh man i can already picture the meat cute yeah and they <laughs> bond over being hurt by aphrodite all the time and so hephaestus gives her clerical abilities that would just be so badass oh man great great twist right there i love it yeah that's a good one mm-hmm and people could get these ideas for who to ally with or who to try to approach and how to communicate with them from historians in world and priests and priestesses and, and communicating with them, usually through their statues at the temples dedicated to them. Right, exactly. So best, that would be cool. best place to get a direct line to the god you're trying to talk to is a statue. It would be so cool if one of the quests early on was going to speak with the Oracle of Delphi. Yeah. And getting like kind of a prophecy, you know, a plan to follow. And I would like it kind of if Apollo was kind of sympathetic. Well, that doesn't really fit Apollo's character very well. But I, I could see, I could see Hermes helping out the party a lot. He's a really sympathetic dude a lot of the time. 
And Pan is sympathetic to people a lot as well. As long as you're partying. Yeah, well, he was slandered by Christianity back in the day. In a lot of the myths, he's normally really trying to stand up for people and save the day. In fact, he was slandered by Christianity because he was one of the last few gods that people still worshipped from the ancient Greek pantheon, and the Christians were having trouble getting people to stop using his iconography, so they made the devil have more pan-like satyr features. That's where that icon comes from. You heard it here first, folks. A bold attack on the church by Jack. <laughs> uh, you know, propaganda's a thing, for sure. But Pan, he was done dirty, to be sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pan and Hermes, I think, could really be good ally gods for the party. That's true, I especially like Hermes. He's a he's great god of mess he's the messenger to the gods. He's the mailman. Yeah. Everyone loves the mailman. Support your local post office and write to your congressmen and representatives to protect the USPS. Exactly. Boom. Also, he's the god of thieves. And stuff like that, which is pretty interesting. You know, That's like great. Uh, he's the god of the of the uh, UPS delivery person, and for the person who takes the package off your doorstep, <laughs> <laughs> he covers a lot of ground. That's More than good. that, though, he's the god of roads as well. So that could be one of your safe ways to travel for the party like you pray to hermes and then leave him an offering at a shrine all in the road or something like that yeah and then maybe you don't have any dangerous encounters if you do well or something yeah or like if you do place an offering on the shrine and he hears you then it really lowers your chances of any danger happening to you on the road like you're saying yeah and you could also do the same thing traveling through the woods with pan I think that'd nice. be great. Yeah. Deer come up and just lay down to die for you and <laughs> Yeah, stuff like that, I guess. No <laughs> I was just fucking No, around. you're right. <laughs> no, but he maybe he'll lead you to like uh a spring where you could get water or something like that. Like you'd stumble upon yeah. it. I'd also really like to see Artemis help out the party, just because everyone loves Artemis. I love Artemis. That would be great. Oh, that'd be so good if you, like, well, you know, at one point you visit Medusa's island or something, and you have to get a ride with Karen, the boatman of the dead. And so when you're on the other side of the Vale, right, the River Six, you can, like, speak with ghosts every once in a while. And it would be so great if uh, you spoke to, like, the ghost of Orion at some point, Artemis's, like, old gay friend who was killed tragically by Apollo. Right. And then later you come across Artemis and she's ready to just like drop the party, kill him, right? Oh boy. Because that's kind of what happens if you bump into Artemis in the wild. She doesn't like that. Right. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, Orion wanted us to say something. And then she kind of like gives you a safe haven out in the woods. Oh, that's, oh, fun. that's cool. I think we've given people plenty to go off of and built up a good myth of our own here. Uh, so is there any final thoughts you guys want to add or are you, or are you content in this setting? If you're playing it and you don't say go to Tartarus instead of go to hell, I don't know what you're doing. 
<laughs> Agreed. All right. Well, it's all Greek to me. All right. Well, then, uh, thank you for joining us for another rousing episode of Can You Roleplay It? And until next time, keep rolling those dice. Mm -hmm.